What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And we are back. It was a divisional round to remember that took place this past weekend. Four games that went down to the wire. Three game-winning field goals and one game-winning touchdown in overtime. To help me break it down, I have my good friend Justin Marvel from This Just In. Justin, this is your second time on the show, but the third time that this Justin has been on the Final Whistle Sports Podcast, Marsha joined me last time. How are you, my friend? Great to see you. It's always great to be on the Final Whistle. Unfortunately, one of the topics we're about to cover isn't so great, but yeah, like after weekend, like it's what better time to talk football? Without a doubt. And before we dive right in, uh, for the, those who are watching, on our streaming platforms, not listening through the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. I've got an Arizona Cardinals fan flag, excuse me, right behind me. It's massive. It's a good probably at least four by six behind me as a backdrop. And I just wanted to give a little dig towards my brother. He's a diehard Cardinals fan. And his worst case scenario unfolded this past weekend with the Niners and the Rams both making the NFC Championship game. I know Justin, he's got his Packers gear. He is just as heartbroken as he is, but he might be a little bit more because literally his arch nemesis are in the championship game. But without further ado, let's dive into the first topic, which is, was this the greatest weekend of football ever? As we mentioned, to jump right in, four games. Three of the first three game-winning field goals, Bengals at the buzzer over the Tennessee Titans. Then we had in the nightcap, the San Francisco 49ers somehow pulling an egg out of the hat with 10 points in the final four minutes to win on a game-winning field goal. On Sunday, it jumped right in. Tampa Bay comes back from 27-3, to and then Matthew Stafford finally proves that he may not be just a Detroit Lion with a game-winning pass that led to a game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. And then, arguably, one of the greatest games potentially ever in postseason history took place as the nightcap, Buffalo versus Kansas City, 25 points in the final two minutes. Absolutely absurd football taking place. And then Kansas City got the ball in overtime, and Josh Allen never even got a chance. Patrick Mahomes dealt the final blow with a win in overtime to Travis Kelsey. Justin, talk to me. It was so much football, so rapid. We So much information we were trying to process. Hands down, was this the best weekend of football ever? I tried my best not to be a prisoner of the moment, and I have seen a ton of football, like I really have. But it's hard to argue that this was not the greatest weekend of football ever, especially the playoff weights. Like, I don't know how to talk what you just said, but all four games, their regulation ends with a field goal. All four. Three of the four you have, the road team, ending it on a walk-off. The fourth, we see 25 points in the last two minutes. Kansas City has to drive the, well, at least most of the field with 13 seconds left on the clock, tie it, and then win it on the very next possession of overtime. There is no way we have seen a weekend of playoff football better than that. And let's just quickly dive into each of the four. Like, like let's run through them quickly. 
Derrick Henry returns only to watch Joe Burrow. I think that this is his coming out party. To watch Joe Burrow get knocked down on the field nine times, still get up, lead his team down to the game-winning field goal by a rookie kicker all the same up. And this is on his first playoff road game. The very, very next game, you get the rivalry that we all want in San Francisco and Green Bay. And let me tell you, whatever the announcers told you, it was 10 times colder in Green Bay. It was that cold. And you get a situation like we got the rivalry we wanted. It went right down to the wire. As you said, 10 points in the last four minutes, game-winning field goal, and 79,000 people left their quit. And I was one of the 79. So I can tell you that the very next day, when we had all of our doubts about Matt Stafford, Rams go up big. The greatest player of all time in NFL history marches them right back, ties the game, and we're about to tell ourselves, here comes Matt Stafford all over again. Nope. Two big passes. Cooper Cup, they win that game on the last second field goal. And then we're going to dive into this just shortly. I do not know. I'm Blaine, I'm telling you, I've seen Manning Brady. I have seen Elway Favre. I have seen some historic playoff matchups. I, I cannot tell you. With two quarterbacks combining for eight touchdowns, no interceptions, and both leading their teams in rushing yards, I don't think we saw a better game, playoff game than that, what we saw on Sunday. I couldn't agree more, Justin. It was absolutely hard to describe at moments too because you started you thought especially in the Green Bay game you thought Green Bay goes down the field quick you're like oh boy the Niners are in trouble and then it tightens up the whole rest of the way then even in the Rams uh, Buccaneers game Rams Rams tried to lose that game any their way best. possible they were they trying their to best. They tried their best to somehow lose that game and give Tom Brady the opportunity. And you know Tom Brady at halftime was like, guys, I've been in way worse of a situation. I was down 28-3 in the Super Bowl, (laughs) (laughs) and we won that one. This is nothing. And then again, Allen, Mahomes, absolutely ridiculous. I still am trying to process what Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, how they were able to get on the plane afterwards, after the 13 seconds, after being defensive-minded coaches. We'll dive into that a little bit more as well. But let's jump into that topic. Allen, Mahomes, Justin, you've kind of piggybacked it on it with seeing multiple Manning, Brady, as well as others. Is this the next rivalry in football or even just in the AFC? It's not the next one. Because it's already here. This is generation no. This is no longer generation next. Next would be like Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert. This is right now. These guys have met in the playoffs twice already. Like Then we've seen them in the regular season. This season and season before that. And these are all epic contests. Like These, these two right now are Manning and Brady of, of, of the NFL in terms of at least playoff matchups. And when you see it on a saw situation, Josh Allen, in my mind, has won that game three times. And Patrick Mahomes refused to go away either time. I think someone gave me a stat, I think, germ from stuff about sports, where Josh Allen may have minimum of 50 attempts 
the best quarterback rating of any playoff quarterback in the history of football. Wow. At some ridiculous 149 or something like that. Like he is he was playing out of his mind. And I picked the Bills to win that because of the dynamism of, of, of Josh Allen. But you know, as you mentioned, like I'm not sure how Leslie Fraser get, goes back on that plane and or interviews and gets a good job going forward here or Sean McDermott because not squib kicking and then you know whatever prevent defense they were in is just absolutely crazy. But to go back to this matchup, this is the next best rivalry. And before and, and to finish right now, once these guys win their division every single season, we're going to see this matchup over and over and over again because they are the best teams in their respective AFC divisions. I agree with everything what you're saying, but I am going to say no, it is not the no. next rivalry. Yes. And you kind of said it yourself. There are also three more superstar quarterbacks in that conference. You have Burrow, who now put the Bengals on the map. No more Marvin Lewis era winning playoff games. This is Joe Burrow. Sorry, Zach Taylor. You get no credit here. <laughs> and then I'm with you. I agree. No yeah, credit to Zach. No, no credit to Zach Taylor. Then you have Herbert. He didn't get into the postseason this year, but what he did that potentially put his team in the postseason was absolutely ridiculous in that finale. If you know, if Brandon Staley, no credit to him either. If he just decided to not call a timeout, they're in the playoffs. <laughs> And you get to see Herbert. And then there's a guy that did end up getting hurt towards the end of the year. And he is probably the greatest show in the NFL, which is Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. So you really have to think about it. There are five legit quarterbacks. So I can't really see that Allen and Mahomes is going to be a rivalry. Secondly, Allen hasn't beaten him in the postseason yet. They've only faced twice. Allen has... I think they faced four or five times now. Allen only has the one win, which was that regular season win this year in week five, where they absolutely dominated because of drop passes, tip balls, that the defense was able to be more opportunistic. And But, again, I'm telling you, Josh Allen, he arguably had the greatest postseason in history in his two games. Nine touchdowns, no interceptions. He, that places him in a tie – in third place in most touchdowns to no interceptions. And you want to know about every other person on that list? They reached the, the Super Bowl. He didn't even get to the championship game. What he did was absolutely ridiculous. And now McDermott has pretty much wasted the Josh Allen's greatness this year. I mean, you I, do have greatness on the other side in Mahomes, but you wasted his greatness of how he was playing on a different level than everybody else this postseason. In that game, there was no doubt in my mind Josh Allen was the best player on the field. And we're talking about a field that, that also had Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and Tyreek Hill. And Josh Allen was miles and miles the best player on the field. But I warned Germ because we had a conversation before the podcast on Monday, I told, I do not trust Sean McDermott. And so said, so done. Like, I, I, I don't trust him. I don't trust him in big moments. And I honestly think, like, I hope Leslie Fraser conducted his interviews before this game because 
those final 13 seconds and that overtime do not look good for whatever head coaching job he's looking at. Yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult. I want to actually get your take now on the no squib kick and the 13 seconds left, the two plays. The first play, I give kudos to the Chiefs. They ran a quick bubble. Bills full bailed, so they just did quick screen, got the 15 to 20 yards, used that timeout. The second play is where I am absolutely lost. You are playing the sideline when you know they have two more timeouts. They still have timeouts. Why are you playing the sideline when they can use the whole field? It makes absolutely no sense. If I, I would, again, very difficult that I would have let them get on that plane or on the, even to the bus to go to the airport. To, it just made absolutely no sense. Talk to me. So here's the thing, right? And I don't want to sound like, again, I'm coming after the fact. I wish my wife was also on this podcast to let everyone know I'm not late. So she's watching the game with me. And as they're about to kick off, I told her, well, you know, they're going to squib kick here. And she asked me, what's a squib kick? So I explained it to her and I tell her, well, this is to ensure that some measure of time is going to come off the clock and they don't have a free out to get to the 25-yard line without any hassles or, you know, possibly fumbling the football. And then when the ball goes into the end zone, she looks at me and like, as if, what do you know about football? <laughs> so, like, it is inexplicable there. Um, now, with the second pass, as you mentioned, right, with the defense, we have to give up something. And obviously, the first thing you want to give take away as a defense in a situation, you want to take, up, take away the end zone. But as you said, with the team's having timeouts, so it doesn't matter what's going to happen. You shouldn't be worried about taking away the side lane, especially when we saw how potent Kansas City has now become in attacking the middle of the field because that's what teams have been giving them all throughout the early part of the season when they were struggling. Now they've figured out how to attack that middle of the field, and we saw that with that long Tyreek Hill run. Like They are willing now to attack that middle of the field. That's where Travis Kelsey makes a living. That's where now Tyreek Hill is willing to make a living. For the life of me, I've always said, right, players over plays. And if anything is going to beat me, it's not going to be Tyreek Hill. It will not be Travis Kelsey. Something else. Someone else is going to have to make a catch and get it. It cannot be the two of them over the middle of the field. And that's what I've said. I hope Leslie Frazier has conducted his interviews already because that looks terrible. Yeah, it absolutely does. And the touchdown that Tyreek Hill scored on that in route, he, he put up the peace sign at the 25-yard line. There were still two more dudes he had to go by. He was like, nah, this is it. Nope. See ya. Nope. Peace sign. It's done. See you later. And then, again, the Kelsey. I think Mahomes called an audible there. I think he saw that. It didn't look like it was the play that Andy Reid because he brought Kelsey inside, and then as soon as Kelsey did a little swivel off of that uh, corner, it was wide open in between the linebacker. It was like he had like five yards in between the two people, and it was just like – it was, it was mind-blowing. Again, the squib kick. And the squib kick would have taken minimum of two to three seconds off of the clock. So that takes you down to 10 or 11. They're probably further, more further backed up if, unless they return it. So that, that takes another couple seconds off the clock. It just absolutely no sense. But you got to give kudos to Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs and their staff were prepared for that moment. 
it looked like Buffalo's had already started celebrating and they weren't ready for that moment because they doubted that Patrick Mahomes could actually get down that field. And he said, give me that crown. Sorry, Josh. Not yet, my friend. Beat me still. You haven't done it yet when it really matters. So I'm going to keep the crown. So let's jump into who they're going to be playing the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to be taking on Joe Burrow and somehow the offensive line that doesn't want to play football. And they will end up playing. They beat the Tennessee Titans 19 to 16. As you talked about, rookie kicker Evan McPherson had four field goals on the day. Absolutely automatic. And apparently he was already talking to the team in warm up saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to miss today. And if you really need me at the end, I got you. That was more of not what he said. He said a lot of other words that I cannot say yep. on podcast. Uh, but what can we say? Derrick Henry returns, and yet they put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands. And it's probably why the Tennessee Titans will never make it to the Super Bowl because they don't have that dude. When Again, as we talked about, there's five other dudes in the AFC. Talk to me. What happened? What would you see? Again, as you correctly mentioned, the reality is, and I've talked about this, I like how the Tennessee Titans are constructed, but in today's NFL, I mean, that could have worked 10 years ago, but your quarterback is going to have to win your games because when you look at the entire field of the AFC, no, Joe Burrow, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, as you currently mentioned before, like, these are quarterbacks who are going to win games and you just can't have a game manager behind center and expect that's going to win because everyone is going to load up on Derrick Henry because they know what the offense wants to do. So it's going to require your quarterback to make enough plays. And because we just talked about it, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes had plays that's left in their back pocket. You are not going to get to Super Bowl beating Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, no Joe Burrow, possibly Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson with a Ryan Tannehill. That's just not going to be enough. And, and then you see in the NFC field, like when you look what's left back, San Fran finds a way to do it. But the reality is this, you have to have a quarterback in today's play or in today's game to win or at least to get to the Super Bowl. That's, that's how it is now. Yeah, and what are you doing from trying – first play of the game, play action – Let's, you know, just throw it to Jesse Bates, basically, and try and force the ball to Julio Jones. Who are we trying to fool? You have Derrick Henry in the backfield. Give the man the ball. He's fresh. He hadn't played. He doesn't have the wear that he usually does. The man's a freight train. And then you limit the ball out of – we get it. He's coming back from injury. But you have Deontay Foreman who broke out that a couple big carries, and yet he was limited in touches. Why does Tennessee – find ways to figure out, oh, let's just avoid this. And the, their defensive line couldn't have played better. Nine <laughs> sacks. You cannot play better. I mean, there was a couple of plays where Cincinnati was just like, Ryan Clark so eloquent, eloquently put this on uh, Get Up one, uh, on ESPN as he put out a tweet, that the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is the ice cream machine at McDonald's. They just don't – the person that works the ice cream machine because when you go there, you want ice cream, and it doesn't work, and they don't tell you a reason why it's not working. And it's – that was the Bengals' offensive line. They had – there was no offensive line meeting that week. They had no idea. They were just saying, Joe Burrow, figure it out. Because if I was Joe Burrow, I'd be screaming at my offensive line. I'd be breaking tablets. I'd be like, 
How are we not picking this up? They're only rushing three to four guys. <laughs> it made but they've, absolutely... been, Go ahead. they've been bad all season. And that's kind of the reason why I thought Tennessee would win this game. I just didn't think Mike Vrabel and company would go away from their offensive strength, which is to run the football. Even, and I mean, Cincinnati is an underrated run defenses league. I don't think that unit gets enough credit. But at the end of the day, you have to have to, because as we've all known, when, and we saw it when Derrick Henry went down, this offense is not good enough to put on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill is not good enough to do what he's that, That's not how the offense is structured. And to go away from that is mind-boggling, especially as you mentioned, Cincinnati is just handing you sacks because the offensive line is that bad. I think Joe Burrow was easily the most sacked quarterback in this league, and Cincinnati is going to have to address that going forward, and I think we're going to talk about that very shortly because we saw last season Joe Hardy played because of that offensive line, and again, nine sacks in a playoff game will not cut it. Yeah, and that leads me into, are the Bengals actually here to stay? Are they going to be a consistent contender in your mind? Because with this offensive line, if they have, this is what they need to do for, for the next two to three years. If they want to be legit contenders, they have to actually end up putting that money in towards that offensive line. Because Joe Cool, love him to death, kid is a stud. But he is going to be injured. He's just going to be off of the field if they can't block for him. So I'm going to take a roundabout way to ask this question. So just forgive me here. Um, and I'll ask you questions so you can answer okay. it yourself. All right. Who won the AFC East? Buffalo. Who has the best quarterback in the AFC East? Josh Allen. Who won the NFC North? Who won the NFC North? Green Bay. Who has the best quarterback in the NFC North? Well, right now it's still Green Bay. That's up in the air. We'll, <laughs> well get to that yeah, later. But... <laughs> you see where I'm going with this, right? The reality yeah. is they have a very, very good quarterback. And with Lamar Jackson injured, you can easily say Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in this division. I would Once put him he... ahead of Lamar right now. Even with Lamar being healthy, I would probably say. And that's to show you. If you have the best quarterback in the division, the likelihood of you winning the division is extremely high. And Joe Burrow isn't going anywhere anytime soon. You have a situation where all of their key, I want to say, position players are all 25 or younger. Joe Mixon, 25 and younger. Jamar Chase, 25 and younger. T. Higgins, like all of these players are young. Zach Taylor should give him a little bit of credit. He is also, I think, under 40. There is no reason to believe that this squad is going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, Pittsburgh is going to have to retool as much as we all don't think that Ben Roethlisberger is good anymore and he's retiring. Whatever's out there is even worse. And Baltimore, well, that was a rush of injuries, but they're going to have to retool somewhat. And Cleveland, unless they find a quarterback of no. What's, what happened this season is going to happen again the, the next season and the following season. I know they're not going to return Baker, but again, whatever else is out there, yeah, they'll get to that another time. But Baker Mayfield was never the answer. And I, I do not see a scenario where Baker Mayfield is a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns in the 2022 season. So I see. Wow, the- that's a mic drop right here. Major hot take. 
Because I don't think Cleveland don't, can get anybody else. I don't think they're going to be able to get anybody else. That's why there's Baker one game up there. I think they can, and I, I know they're probably kicking the tires on this right now, but they can trade for Matt Ryan. And that's the one that makes the most sense right now. That's, that's the only thing right now that currently makes sense in terms of it's either that or you, 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 you spin a coin and hope for a free agent like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I'd try to trade for Matt Ryan. But so there is a people like in the AFC North. And the one team that has all of its pieces or all of the answers right now, it's the Cincinnati Bengals and they're all young. I had my question marks in the offseason when they drafted um, Jamar Chase over Penesul. I, I picked that they needed to go tackle, but they obviously made the correct pick. Clearly, they made the correct pick. And in doing that, you have your quarterback for the future in the next 10 to 15 years. You're going to keep Jamar Chase around whenever he hits free agency. And that's not for a long, long time in coming. You picked up T. Higgins last year. Joe Mixon is clearly a stud running back for whatever, what, three years you have with him. The answer to your question in a long roundabout way is that this team is here to stay for a very long while. I have to agree with you just because, again, as you mentioned, they've got the best position group as well as the best quarterback in the AFC North. Pittsburgh's going to be an absolute disaster of a rebuild, I think, because there's if, – if Mason Rudolph is actually going to be the starting quarterback like he think he is going to be, they are going to be in a world of hurt. And Dwayne Haskins is not better, much better of an option as a Washington fan. Been there, done that. You don't want to kick those tires. And then, again, as you said, I, I have Joe Burrow ahead of Lamar, so I think the Bengals are here to stay. I don't know if they're going to be a consistent AFC championship team. They'll be a consistent playoff team. That's the only caveat I have to put in the argument there just because if they want to establish that consistency of being in the postseason, again, there's four other dudes in that conference that are going to be absolutely trying to do the exact same thing. It's going to be really intriguing to see on that front. But now I'm going to break Justin's heart because we're going to be talking about his Green Bay Packers and how they ended up losing 13 to 10. He's got his helmet. He's got his beanie on. He's repping full on. And he is also my live reporter. And he's got the hoodie. And he was my live reporter from the stands as a fan in Lambeau as he was at that game. Justin, what went wrong with the pack? I can't explain it. I have no answers other than special teams and Aaron Rodgers didn't show up when he needed to show up. Well, you kind of answered it there. I don't have to say much more. Like there are three phases of the game and unfortunately only one played on, on, on Saturday and that's defense. And going into this game, uh, I will tell you beforehand as a diehard and long Packers fan, this was a team I didn't want of all of them. And I tell you, I would have, I was not afraid of Tampa Bay and their injuries. I wasn't afraid of the Rams because we're accustomed to being the Rams. They can't stop the run. And their offense plays right into our hands. My concern of all the other five or six playoff teams were these 49ers. But, and that's not even the reason we lost because our run defense throughout the season was abysmal. I think we gave up 4.8 yards per carry. And that was not the case on Saturday. We, 
if there was one strength of our defense or the strength of the entire team, it was our run defense that day. We completely shut down their offense, took them, and I think they were, had single-digit yards by, by, by the half. Like, we were absolutely dominant. But the other two phases didn't come to play. And I know the entire world is dunking on Aaron Rodgers, and rightfully so. When you make this season about yourself and then your offense only scores 10 points, like, you know, that's on you. But I think that's a bit of hubris for Packer fans to say because at the end of the day, you have to give San Francisco's defense a lot of credit. And I think the Biko Reigns should be looking at a job sometime in the future, a high coaching job. And Nick Bosa is a complete animal. He was living in our backfield. And everyone knows David Bakhtiari did play in that game. Alton Jenkins was lost for the season midway through. So our offensive line wasn't good enough to take care of that. This is not to give Rodgers a pass, by the way, though. He is still the likely MVP, two-time MVP here. He should have been, he should have done a lot more. But it was special teams. It was, and, and they're too, <laughs> I'm sorry to go on a rant, but I'll finish quickly. Hey, rant, man, rant. Rant, I was I was waiting for this. This is why I had um, I brought you on. I knew you were ready to let your heart and soul out today. So it's awful. So everyone knows the two biggest plays, and those two big plays are what decide this game. The field goal block to end the first half that takes three points off the board, and the punt block that gives them their only touchdown. That's seven points. That's a ten point swing in a game we lost by three points. You flip that the other direction, and these are routine plays. Huh? These are You're supposed to score easy field goals, and you're supposed to be able to punt the ball out of your end zone. These two routine plays, the score is 13-6 to six to Bay and not 13-10 to 10 to San Francisco 49ers. But here's what you didn't realize, Blaine. All 13 of San Francisco's points you can point to a special teams blunder on all of them. Yep. yep. All of I them. was gonna I was gonna say the Debo Samuel kick return at the second at the start of the second half led to their field goal. So the kick return coverage, which has been a problem all season long, showed its ugly head once yet gets to midfield. Only points while well, they finally scored their first points because of that. And then what a lot of people didn't realize the game winning field goal, there are only 10 Packers on the field. Only 10. And it makes sound like I'm like they're, they were missing a player short. And again, this is something oh, that's man. happened th- and I don't want to say throughout the season, but this is not the only time that happened this season. Those are four special team blunders I can point to on Absolutely all 13 bad. of San Francisco points. So yes, Rogers did play well, but it's special teams are to blame. Yep, I was. That was going to be the only thing that I was really going to port point to was special teams, and the only other thing that I could point towards Aaron Rodgers was, you know, he came out and said to the Chicago Bears that you know I own you, I still own you, but for some reason, San Francisco 49ers own Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and four when it really matters against the. San Francisco 49ers, and Aaron Rodgers hasn't shown up really in any of those four matchups. And, and what one- makes it worse is that he that's his childhood team that he wanted to be drafted by yep. in the 2005 draft, number one overall. 
And when he was asked draft night, how bad do you feel about the San Francisco Niners not drafting you? His direct response, and you can go on YouTube it, his response was not as bad as they're going to feel. And no, not so what, they don't feel a thing because they keep beating no. them. <laughs> well, and then the other thing is, the one thing about San Francisco is why I don't see them as a bad matchup. I see them as a really good team and that everyone is afraid of. Because they are the one team that, regardless of the score, you know exactly what they are going to do. They do not shy away. They make sure Jimmy Dree does not lose them the game because he's tried to lose them the game now in two straight postseason games this year in the Dallas and in the Green Bay game with the interceptions. He has been trying to give them the ball. And what do they do on third and seven instead of trying to throw for it and win the game there? They say, I'm going to give the ball to Debo and see if we can get seven yards, and then we'll win it that way. We are not letting Jimmy G try and turn the ball over to give Aaron Rodgers one more crack at it. But, Justin, I need to ask you this quick question before we move on to the uh, Rams-Bucks. Is Aaron Rodgers' legacy now a regular season quarterback and he's a postseason failure? I think... I won't say that myself as a Packers fan. It would be harsh to say, but for anyone outside the organization, for them to say that, I think it would be fair because we haven't won the Super Bowl since the 2010-2011 season. And since then, it is not like the Packers are not a perennial playoff contender, but we've been to four NFC title games since. We've not been back to the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers, quite frankly, since then, I can only think of two memorable playoff performances since. And that's over 10 years now. Like, so I think it's fair to say a guy that has four MVPs or likely is about to get his fourth MVP and has all these ridiculous um, regular season stats, including the uh, stat that you don't even expect Patrick Mahomes to pass, which is the highest touchdown to interception ratio. At one point, he did pass it, but then fell behind. Yeah, I think it's going to be safe to say that this guy is arguably the greatest regular season quarterback and just an average playoff quarterback considering 61 playoff, so 61 Super Bowl run. He's not done much of anything since. Yeah, and he, in my opinion, he is the greatest talent that I have ever witnessed with my two eyes at the quarterback position, which it's really hard that he has not been able to get back since the winning that Super Bowl. But Justin, real quick, does it hurt more being at the game or does it hurt more watching it on TV? Because I know you probably couldn't feel your body anyway while you were there in Lambeau, so it probably didn't hurt as much. More oh, like you're you kidding. just trying to freeze. It's kidding. Like, it hurts more being at the game because you're more invested. <laughs> and, oh, my gosh. So, I'm not sure what it looked like on TV. But, like, every second and third down on defense, they're showing on a jumbotron or the scoreboard. They're showing Matt LaFleur hyping up the crowd to get loud. And stupid me, every time he does it, I'm getting loud and loud and loud. <laughs> there are these two girls to my right during the game, right? And... There was, there was one point it got so low that my wife told me I scared these two girls. It was on – they were in the red zone on offense, and they had a fourth and one. And the whole world knows they're coming to run the football. Yeah. And, and again, you guys stuffed him. 
Matt LaFleur is there, you know, telling the crowd to get loud. And I think it reached like 115 decibels because they show it wow. on the screen. I feel like it was a major part of that. <laughs> I got even louder when they stuffed him. Like, I went crazy. Like, I, I, I've never hugged and high-fived so many people in the cold in my entire life. I, so to, I say all of that to say you are more emotionally invested <laughs> at the game and it hurts worse. Because it was so damn cold, I couldn't even... My plan, Blaine, was to take out my phone and take actual video to put on the show. On the show, It was too damn cold for that. Every time I tried to take my hands off the gloves... Or even if you'd probably try to take your phone out, the battery would have froze like, soon, like within minutes. I, I legit... Like, I thought about drinking hot chocolate and I figured this is going to freeze. So just <laughs> drink it inside. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Sorry for your Packers, but amazing that you were there at the game and be able to bring in the glory that is Lambeau Field. And that was- I will tell you, at least I saw the last game of Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay. I will say that. See, I, you haven't been listening to my show then because I said on the last podcast he's not going to leave because there's nowhere else where he's going to go. We'll talk about that more or less when, when we talk about the Rodgers-Brady stuff. But let's talk about what happened to Brady. They ended up losing in the divisional round, fell way behind to Matty Stafford in the Los Angeles Rams, 27 to three at one point. And they came storming back with the Rams, just figuring out ways to give Tampa Bay more and more opportunities. And it was tied up with roughly 20, 20 to 30 seconds left. I may have been a little bit more. I can't remember off the top of my head, but then Matthew Stafford with a man in his face throws a dime to Cooper Cup. Todd, I still have not figured out what Todd Bowles was doing on defense there, sending the house and leaving Antoine Winfield one-on-one who didn't even realize that uh, Cooper Cup was running past him. Perfect pass, though, by Matty Stafford. He silenced the critics, I believe, in my opinion. But, Justin, did he prove the de- – does he has, does he still have more to prove? For me – he never had anything to prove because, again, I've seen him in the NFC North. I know how good Matt Stafford is, and I've said it on my show. When LA Rams picked him up, I, I said, the world will now see how good Matt Stafford is. What people don't know, the last two years of Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay, Detroit swept us both years. Matt Stafford is that good. It is just that Detroit is that bad of an organization. Like, arguably... <laughs> Before this situation in Houston, you can arguably say Detroit is the easily the worst organization in all of football. So for me, I always knew once he got to LA that he's going to win playoff games. And I mean, the moment he gets away from Detroit, he wins his first two playoff games. That should say something. The only thing is I don't expect him to win the third this year, but we'll get into that later. For me, he has nothing to prove anymore. Like his two playoff games, for all the interceptions that he was throwing during the regular season, he has none in two playoff starts. And when most quarterbacks would have blinked, when Tom Brady came all the way back in a tight game, I mean, we're talking about the greatest player of all time, Matt Stafford didn't blink once. Because you talk about the bomb to Cooper Cup, but he completed another one right before that. Like, these are two big passes. This game should not have even been close, and it's not Matt Stafford's fault that they got him because they had four fumbles nothing to do with Matt Stafford this game should have been a rope 
And they picked this game to be a rope simply because, again, matchups. What Tampa Bay does well on defense, they stop the run. They have a tremendous front seven. The problem is Correct. LA doesn't want to run the football. LA wants to go spit three white and throw it all over the park. What's Tampa Bay's weakness on defense? That back four. On top of that, as great as their front seven is, they are not good in pass rushing. They like to get, they like to stop the run, but they don't get penetration to get after the quarterback. So you ask what Todd Bowles is doing. Todd Bowles knew to get pressure, he had to send the host. And apparently in the post-game press conference, it was supposed to be a zero blitz. And not everyone that was supposed to blitz actually blitz. Yeah, Carlton Davis bailed out at the last second, they were saying. He wasn't supposed to bail out. He was supposed to come. Because they know how weak their secondary is. It can't hold up. So to stop the pass, they have to send the house against Matt Stafford. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. And hence why he knew they were never going to beat the Rams. That's how it goes. But for me, that seeing Matt Stafford all of his entire career in the NFC North, I knew how good he was. And the playoffs were just going to prove how good he is. Correct. I completely I agree. I don't think he has more to prove. I think the Rams as a t- collective have more to prove because they have no future after this year and next year. They have literally they will not be able to afford any of these pieces any longer. They got Odell on the minimum, so he'll probably be gone next season. Robert Woods will be back. You have Cooper Cup. You have Stafford pretty much for roughly one more year. Then you have to start paying. Donald, what are you going to do with Ramsey? What are you going to do with Von Miller? There's all these pieces. And you have no draft picks, basically, in the first two rounds until, like, 2025. So the future is pretty much roughly gone to be able to rebuild this team. It's win now or that's it. But, again, Matthew Stafford, the best quarterback in crunch time situations, the most game-winning drive since he's entered the league. That includes being on Detroit. Yes. Does Det- is Detroit really bad? But Matthew Stafford was the reason that they were winning that, those games as a bad football team. That shows yeah. you. I, I will say this, as you said, just to add in this. I think their core pieces, except for Odell, as you mentioned, and Vaughn Miller, are all signed through as well to next year. So yeah. it's, I, so it's winning next, Super Bowl. Either. Next year is the last yep. chance. So it's these two seasons. It's this season or next season or bust. It will be hard to keep Sean McVay if they don't get it done, either this year or next year. It won't be because they say he's a boy wonder or anything like that, <laughs> a genius or anything. It's because you wanted Matthew Stafford. You threw away a quarterback that already got you to the Super Bowl in Jared Goff. Yes, Matthew Stafford is an upgrade, without question. But now you have to potentially pay the price because you guys are all in with those poker chips. And if you don't get there, there's going to be a world of hurt coming down at SoFi for those L.A. Rams. So really going to be hard to say. Tom Brady is now out. Aaron Rodgers is now out. The two people that are going to arguably, it's going to be one or the other that wins the MVP this year. You can pretty much give it to either of them. That's how spectacular they were. I would give it to Rodgers. You said you would give it to Rodgers as well. A little slight edge over Brady. 
What are they going to do? Because now there's all this up in the air. Brady said this past week that he has no idea what he's going to do, even though he said his goal was to play through 45. Aaron, the whole turmoil in Green Bay in the offseason, he said it's gotten a lot better, as he mentioned yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. He doesn't know. What are you going to do? What do you think Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to do? Are they done? Are they going to hang it up? Are they coming back? Are they leaving their organization? What? There's so many different possibilities. So let's start with the great, greatest of all time first, Tom. I think he's dead. Really? Uh, why is that? Two reasons. One, there have been reports from within the organization where they say that the feeling from them is that he's not coming back to the organization. And if he's not coming back to Tampa Bay, where else could he possibly go to feel that comfort level? Like he brought in Gronk. He has a rapport now with, you know, um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He has all the veteran leaders on that team, you know, believing in him and whatever not. I don't, if he's not coming back to Tampa, I don't see him going anywhere else. I don't see him island hopping per se. So if the organization has a feeling that he's not returning, then I think it's done. Like, and the second thing, like every time that Tom continues to play, like he's, we keep asking me, is he done? We get a definitive answer. Keep saying, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I still have the will to win. But we didn't get that on Sunday. Like we got something completely different. And what we don't understand as non-football players, at least me as a non-football player, we don't get, is the mental and physical toll it takes to play football year in and year out. This is what, a year 22 for Tom Brady? And, and Something ridiculous like that. Some, and, and to go into every season, you have to mentally prepare and physically get your body right. Tom is not that sort of quarterback who is going to play a season where he doesn't feel physically and mentally correct. And I don't get the feeling that his mind is there. It, like, it, it takes a toll, and I don't know if 44-year-old Tom Brady is ready to go to 45 and deal with both the mental and physical toll that it takes to play quarterback. So for that day, I think he retires. I think it's done. For Tom, I think he's going to give one last shot at it. I think he's going to say, this is it. I said I would go till 45. Godwin's coming back. Evans is coming back. You'll probably get Fournette to come back because the offense will have a little bit of something to prove. The issue is that you're going to lose a decent amount of that defense. You'll probably have David and Devin White still, but probably lose and some Vita of Vita. The, And Vita Vea. You'll probably lose some of that D-line. I probably think JPP will leave. Uh, maybe I think Shaq Barrett, he's needs to, he's gotten paid, I believe. So he's going to be able to stay, but that secondary is going to need a full rebuild back there other than Winfield. So I think they'll give it, he'll give it one last chance, but you know, you, we all know it's not his decision. It's going to be Giselle's decision, whether or not he's going to be coming back. Cause as we all know, Giselle's the one that's making the money in the family. Tom's. Tom's making chump change at this point <laughs> in comparison. So, but there is the caveat that, yes, his kids are a little bit older. They're starting to really want to hang out with him a little bit more, spend more time as a family. So I think this is going to be his final push at it. This is the last year on his deal anyway. He won't renew. I think a big thing 
will be if Gronk, because Gronk came out today, said if he had to make a decision right now, he would retire. So if he would, if Tom could convince Gronk, hey, man, we're going to do it one last time. Whatever happens, happens. You know they're going to make the playoffs because the NFC South is a joke now. Sorry, Sean Payton. Appreciate you, whatever you guys done in New Orleans with taking a step away. But now it's pretty much become a layup that he's going to be win their division. So they don't have to push that hard in the regular season and give one last final push towards a championship. So I think he'll give it one last crack. But then on the other flip side, we have Aaron Rodgers. We have no clue what he's going to do. In my well, opinion, I have him staying in Green Bay, but I want to hear from the Green Bay man himself. What is he going to do? So we can cross up retirement. Aaron, I think Aaron is purposely telling, talking about retirement to dissuade certain teams from approaching Green Bay about him. So it's basically like, you know, if I haven't spoken about your team or I haven't spoken to your team's executives, please don't come to Green Bay because I will retire if I'm traded here. I think that's what he's trying to do in that scenario. He's pushing teams away. So I don't see him retiring. And quite frankly, with the 20, 25, 30 odd free agents we now have, and the salary cap situation is what it is. 44 over the cap, with that includes Aaron Rodgers, and you guys haven't even made a move with Devontae yet. Right. Uh, with Devontae, is a situation that's the easiest. They, they can just franchise tag him if they think they want to run it back one more year. Fair. So that's going to be simple. But and Aaron Rodgers' contract would need reworking if he come back, and I think that's not hard to do because his salary cap figure is really what's ballooning all this. But here's the thing, Blaine. I said it before the season started. You don't do all of this stuff then to say, I'm going to stay. You've gotten everything your way. The season has been everything. It has all been about you. We fell short again. You don't put up pictures of the last dance you, Devontae, Zadarius Smith, um, Preston Smith, if you don't think you're going to leave, definitely, then, you know, the things you've said and then the reports are coming out. Like, I've learned in this business, most of what you hear is true. It just depends on the degree of the truth to it. Yes. And we've heard all along the two destinations, San Francisco and Denver. San Francisco is definitely out of it simply because Green Bay will never be as stupid as to trade within their own conference. That's never happening. As good as the relationship with Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur have. I'm telling you, no. I said it on my own show. I put it on Instagram, put it all over the place. I'm sure you saw it. The place he is going to end up is Denver. Denver has... Okay, Justin, hold on. Hold on before you explain. I cannot process this, though, because you then have to play Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes four times. And Derek Carr is not a scrub either in Vegas. So you have to play six games in your own division against three of the top play quarterbacks in the AFC. How does Denver even work? That makes no sense to me, in my opinion. I know Hackett's potentially linked as the finalist for that job. That's probably what you're going to proclaim to, but it doesn't make any sense to me. First, we have to understand Aaron Rodgers is a different human being. And quarterback competition will not scare him. That's definitely, in his mind, 
that's not going to scare me. Look at all the things that have happened in Denver that tells me that they know Aaron Rodgers is coming. The very first thing, in that last draft, they had a chance to draft both Justin Fields and Matt Jones. And Denver never kicked the rocks on either quarterback. Like, no one could ever think that Drew Locke is the future of any franchise. They know that. No, man. It's Teddy Two Gloves all day, every day. Come on. They, they know that's not the case either <laughs> because I read a stat somewhere. I think Denver had a top three or top five scoring defense. And it is the first time a defense ranked that high has missed the playoffs. So they know that Teddy Two Gloves and Drew Locke are not the answer. They had a chance to draft a young quarterback. They refused. That's one. You mentioned it. Not only did they interview Nathaniel Hackett for the job, but a lot of people don't know. They also went after another Green Bay assistant in Luke Getzky, the quarterback's coach. Yeah. Like, that is a clear signal. We want to make sure that when our guy gets here, he is as comfortable as possible. And then we heard all the reports. And the reason we are hearing all the reports is because the draft capital that Denver currently holds, I think in this draft alone, they have five picks in the first three rounds. And furthermore, they have $48 million in cap space for next season. Aaron Rodgers slides right into that. Everything points and tells me from Nathaniel Hackett, the cap situation, the draft um, compensation, Aaron is going to go to Denver. I can see it. I just can't because Denver is a quarterback away from being a legit contender because their offense and defense is pretty set for the, for at least this upcoming season for sure. But again, I just, the competition thing is going to be so difficult with those even the three quarterbacks I mentioned, you also have Lamar, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. The path never, is so much more difficult to get to the Super Bowl in comparison to the NFC. It and, is, but and your NFC North me. is a joke right now. Vikings in Chicago have no idea who's going to be their head coach. Then there's the Detroit Lions because they're the Detroit Lions. Unfortunately, I'm with enough. you. I'm with you, Blaine. Right, the path. Or like like Green Bay offers the path of the least resistance. Like that that's what the average yeah. man would see. But I think Aaron just wants to do something different. And then let's look. Denver Washington as I said, will throw the house to him if he wants. Yeah, just but <laughs> they're not gonna trade with Washington. And just look at what you mentioned. Denver has a stacked defense, like loaded. And then on offense, you have Jerry Judy, you have Portland Sutton, you have Javante Williams, you have Noah Fan. Everything is all you have to do is walk through the front door and everything is there. And Aaron has never been one to avoid big matchups. That's, that's never been him. It sure. doesn't what? make sense for him, but he's going to go. Okay. I've got one, one more question for you then. Why, why not Pittsburgh? Um, again, part of it comes down to familiar familiarity. Cause they I have all the pieces as well. They are just a quarterback away too. I think, where that's concerned, I don't know. Like in this business, Blaine, as you know, in every business, there are relationships. Everything comes down to relationships. And I don't know that Aaron Rodgers has a relationship with anybody 
within the Pittsburgh organization. He likes and respects the hell out of Mike Tomlin. Yeah. But I don't know there is a personal relationship there. Okay. And Denver is going to hire Nathaniel Hackett. I'm sure, I'm sure, in fact, not I'm sure, I've been told, Aaron Rodgers has already golfed with John Elway. So obviously there's yeah. a personal relationship there. Like mm-hmm. It comes down to relationships, and I don't see a situation where, I do, or at least I don't think he has any personal connections within the Pittsburgh organization. Okay. I, I, all right, so... Do you think the – I don't think the NFC has any chance of landing him. So, do you think it's Green Bay or Denver, that's it? I think that would – for you? I think Green Bay, Denver, and then you have to open up the possibility. And this is weird, but remember I mentioned relationships. Again, I was going to throw the Jets in there because of the relationship Lafleur and Salah have. But as you're learning your seat correctly, Aaron Rodgers is never, ever going to go to a rebuilding situation. And that's what New York is. So, quite frankly, if I had to rank them, is there another destination? No, like, it's going yeah, to be... I don't think it's... Denver is Green Bay, and I don't think anything else. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with you on that front, at least. I will. I still think Green Bay is the heavy favorite just because the path to a Super Bowl is easier. But it's only time will tell. As he said, he already said he wants to make a decision roughly before right after that franchise tag Sorry to deadline cut you. basically do not let him fool you this decision has already been made whatever decision oh i know he's, he's made, made it i know he's already decided there's no like, question if Devonte knows he's getting the tag already because he's gonna if he stays in green bay he'll stay with Devonte. but don't be surprised if Devonte gets paid that he's coming with him to denver but or if he goes to Devonte, might go to vegas to go play with his former teammate Derek carr Watch out, watch out for that, too. But I want to tell your viewers and listeners, this decision has already been made. It is just a situation of when we will find out what that decision is. I bet you Pat McAfee already knows. We just have to find it. We just have to figure out a way <laughs> to get yeah. him to tell us. I got to go on a WWE night or something. What, he does what? Smackdown on Fridays? Yes. Yeah, I got to show up one night and just be like, yo, Pat, come on, bro. You know, we know you know. <laughs> who, if, and if Pat doesn't know, AJ Hawk, who is the guest Exactly, host, he host. probably knows too. He definitely knows. Yeah. It'll be intriguing to see for sure what how it plays out for Brady and Rodgers. But, all right, let's make some picks. Championship weekend. Bengals, Chiefs, Niners, Rams. Who's Ooh. winning? Who are your picks? I went 0-4 last weekend. I didn't get a single one right, so... I am absolutely a disaster right now. So in my survival league, I picked one team that I didn't think was going to win. I picked the team that I was going to win this weekend. But who do you have? I have the Chiefs in another shootout. I I think coaching is what's going to put the Chiefs over the top. Mm -hmm. I won't be shocked at all if the Bengals playing with house money beat them again. Because the last time the Chiefs won, they played a clean game, no turnovers at all, held Joe Mixon to under 50 yards and still lost. Those two things necessarily won't happen again. But I think, like we saw against the Bills, coaching matters. And being there, done, having done that already, I think the Chiefs hold on the close one. And here's my shocker. The LA Rams still do not get past the 49ers again. again. I have, I have the 49ers again. 
simply because playoff football is about matchups. The Rams are great at rushing the passer. They are absolutely atrocious against stopping the run against teams who are committed to running the football. And that is all Kyle Shanahan and the coordinators want to do. I, I, and, sorry, the caveat I did not want to forget, and I almost did. No matter how hard the NFL and SoFi try, SoFi Stadium will feel like a 49ers home game because there's no such thing as an LA Ram fan. Three quarters of that stadium, and I'm sure you, Blaine, will be filled with 49ers oh, yeah. fans. It'll be 50-50 split minimum. No. You think it's going to be higher? No It's going to be 75%. Mark, but remember, I told you this, 75% of those fans will be 49ers It was definitely fans. a home game when they played in the regular season finale. I yep. feel so bad, bad for the L.A. teams. The Chargers and the Rams, they play 17 road games. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, but I don't blame them. No one told you to go to L, a, a, a saturated market like L.A. and expect to get home fans. Like, you know it goes. It's the Lakers. And the place Dodgers. where the stadium is set up, it is set up for failure. There is nothing around the stadium other than the stadium. You have to go so far out of your way. I should say, like, LA people, and this is not a case where, like, here in Wisconsin, where, yeah, you may have to go out of your way to go to Green Bay, but there's nothing else in Wisconsin to do. There's, uh, like, there's so much in LA. You could go watch a That's Lakers true. game. You could go shopping. You could go Hollywood. You could do anything but go to Rams game. It is going to be bang, bang, 49er gang, and 75% of those are going to be wearing the maroon and gold. I am so scared that I am absolutely agreeing with you on both of my picks. <laughs> I have, <laughs> um, but yes, so I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning. I think this is a little bit of the revenge tour, the regular season revenge tour. Buffalo got the better of them, and Cincinnati also got the better. Because you got to remember, Kansas City had a double-digit lead at halftime, 28-17 at the break. So you have, and then they ended up Cincinnati rolled in that second half, but it's a different animal playing at Arrowhead than it is playing at the jungle in Cincinnati as Kansas city was on the road in that matchup. I think Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are going to put on a show, but I think the offensive line issues is going to finally kind of show up. Watch out for Melvin Ingram. He had a major impact in the Buffalo game. Watch for him to be a huge impact. He's been a major acquisition as Pittsburgh was basically trying to get rid of him for that six-round pick. And then, yeah. And then, again, I think San Francisco, it's so hard to beat a team twice. They're going to have to beat L.A. for a third time. But I think they get it done. You know Jimmy G will not touch the football. I would, not be, I would be surprised if he throws it more than 15 times. So to I, I would be Sunday. surprised to it. To go on on the one point on the Cincy Kansas City matchup, I will say this. I think the game will be decided on how well Joe Burrow picks up on Steve Spagnuolo's zero blitzes. Like you know he's gonna blitz on third down. Yeah. How well he picks up on that and gets the ball quickly to whoever he has to will in my mind decide this game. And it will be a major thing to see if Tyron Matthew plays. That'll also be a huge thing as he's in the concussion protocol still. 
But again, I think it's going to be a, a very interesting weekend. We both have a rematch from two years ago now in the Super Bowl with a Niners Chiefs rematch with Mahomes Garoppolo squaring off for a second time. Justin, thank you so much. Let the fans know where they can catch out your content. Just type in that hashtag, this just in, and you can find it everywhere. If you don't put in that hashtag, you may be directed to a lesser quality show by Matt Skellerman on ESPN. But yeah, <laughs> hashtag this just in. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. And every Monday night on YouTube, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern Caribbean time, we have our live show. So look us out on Monday nights on YouTube. Tune in. Their shows on Monday are absolutely spectacular. They have great hosts and great guests coming on usually every week they break down everything that unfolds in the nfl even on the nba tune into their stuff and if if you don't know if you didn't catch where justin's stuff is it's going to be tagged in the description of this video as well as in the podcast so tune in everybody enjoy your weekends and your week we're at a midweek here final whistle is signing off look out for more content coming out your way shortly have a good day everybody enjoy your weeks enjoy the football hopefully it'll be just as good as divisional round weekend justin thank you my man always